pretty lame too. Like they got lamer as it went on. Yeah, <laughs> they're uh, sitting. Bagul is sitting at the conference table in the board meetings. Ashley, I really like what you're bringing to the table here. <laughs> but here's the thing. Sunday scaries. Hey, hey guys. Hello, welcome back. Welcome back. How's it going? It's a brand new week, brand new day. <laughs> Does it feel like it? <laughs> it feels like a whole fucking different day. Uh, yeah, no, I've I've changed as a person since our last recording. Yes. Yeah, I've I've evolved a lot. I've evolved. I've grown a lot. Several beers. Yeah, several. That's enough. For several me. ounces it's of beer. Personal growth. Exactly. Hey, it's hey, it's Sunday Scaries. Uh, my name is Travis. And Tyler. And today, uh, hanging out with us is my good friend Cameron. Say hi, Cameron. Hi. Here, pull this guy like a little closer. You can get like right oh, up here. on top he of it. Right up there. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's a. Uh, you can get it, that way. Our our audio will be nice and like separated and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're hanging out with Cameron today. Uh, so for this week, uh, what movie did we watch? Sinister. Sinister. That's the family who lived here. Uh, you think these are serial murders? I don't know. First one I found dates back to the 60s. The only link between all these cases is the symbol. The symbol is associated with a pagan deity named Bagul. He consumes the souls of human children. Yet again, another first time run through for me. Yeah, this is your As first time watching it. Most of the movies that are going to be on this are going to be thanks to Travis. That's awesome because um, this one is like was pretty popular when it came out. So I wasn't sure if you, this was like one of the few that you had already mm-hmm. seen. Before I mean, I was familiar with it, but never actually watched the whole. Yeah, thing, you know, um, very glad I did. Yeah, um, probably going to do it again at some point. Yeah, this is a good one. Scott mm-hmm. Derrickson kills it, and uh, we'll get into a conversation about that in a minute. Was this your first time? You've seen this before, right, Cameron? Yeah, I was, I was actually wondering, uh, was it 2013 when it came out? 2012. 2012. 2012. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's what I saw it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I saw it in theaters. And this is, I saw it last night, or I watched it last night again for the second time. Yeah. And rewatching it, it... I don't know. I've, I totally get like why I was scared the first time. Yeah, it's yeah. a scary movie. So this was like yeah. only your second time seeing it. Yeah, dude. Yes, good. Yeah, I feel bad because I feel like I don't know. I've I've spoiled myself by like running some of these movies into the ground, especially kind of in preparation for re- these like recordings and stuff. Um, and so it brings me so much joy whenever I get to like show people a movie for the first time. Yeah. Um, so Cameron's hanging out with us. Cameron uh, is a fucking amazing artist, uh, an amazing musician. Um, we'll get we'll plug some of his stuff here at the end of the show. Um, and uh, a really really good friend of mine, and has been for a while. And uh, he likes horror movies. And I figure it would be really fun to have a conversation with him about a horror movie that we both enjoy. Uh, so he's here to talk about Sinister. Um, so yeah, the 2012 uh, Scott Derrickson film featuring Ethan Hawke, right up front, Sinister. Um, this movie 
did fucking gangbusters. Um, I was showing you that table earlier of like the budget breakdowns of all yeah, of like Scott the, Derrickson the movies. ROI. Yeah, the return on investment of his uh, his various projects and stuff. Um, yeah, this came out in 2012 uh, with just a three million dollar budget. Which it was. I don't even know how they. Holy. Yeah. It, yeah. Right. It was only I saw that. Million. I was like, exactly. that's a fucking typo oh for sure. Exactly, because um, you would think, man, this movie just like well, Ethan Hawke alone. Yeah. yeah. That's the budget. <laughs> and then, yeah. At least, right? I, I, yeah. Like, that's something I didn't actually look up is whether he took like points on the return for the movie versus like uh, an actual yeah. salary or something. Because mm-hmm. now that I'm talking through Because if he was just looking at Derrickson's <clears throat> past like profit, yeah. like, this movie's going to make money. Yeah. I'll take a cut in my contract or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. This movie comes after. So Scott Derrickson, uh, most notably kind of, he, he enters the horror world uh, uh, with a, he actually did like a Hellraiser um, short um, mm-hmm. before he Inferno, did his first, right? yeah, his first proper feature, um, which was The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Um, <sighs> had you, you, have you guys both seen that so or have you seen good. it? No, I don't know. Of course I have. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. The the exorcism of Emily Rose is like uh, I, I feel like it was kind of uh, one of like the I don't know a, a renaissance of uh, the the 2000s exorcism movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had the classics that came so out of coming, 70s and 80s to a and 90s. Culmination with that. Yeah, and and it, it, he kind of I don't know. I feel like breaking back out into that that demon you know possession uh, genre subgenre of horror. Um, he hits the scene with uh, with that film. Uh, in 2002 or 2003, I believe. Um, and that's another movie where, like I said, uh, Scott Derrickson's movies, they they make fucking gangbusters. Like that that movie itself, um, I think was like only an $8 million budget. Because most of it was practical, right? Uh, she had her, or he had her like contortion and do all that and scream like practically. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. just do it herself. And if you haven't seen it, the uh, so the character, the actor that plays Emily Rose is, um, oh my God. Jennifer, it's the uh, the actor who Deb. plays yeah Deb Dexter's uh, sister in uh, the the murder show Dexter, um, who is now married to one of the Avid brothers. Isn't she um, also in White Chicks? Is she? I think so. Oh dang, yeah, that's a blind spot for me. I didn't pull up beforehand. What a diverse it's a character classic. actor. Yeah, she's and she's one of those people. Like I, I mean, she's a really good white actor. I, I, Emily Rose. Yeah. I mean, White Chicks is to Dexter too. Yeah, she yeah, plays yeah, yeah. she plays the cop, you know, cop sister uh, mm-hmm. in Dexter and stuff, and was also, um, you know, seeing uh, her 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 co star from Dexter for a while before she. Um, had a child and married had a child with and married one of the uh, i think it was was it scott avid or was it the other one seth was it scott or seth uh, indie folk yeah, musician avid brother one. yeah 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 they had a i remember watching the the documentary yeah. for the avid brothers with my dad because he was like really obsessed with them and she like pops up in it yeah um but uh scott derrickson comes to fame for directing the exorcism of emily rose i'm looking at the figure now and it was 19 million dollars on the budget um but that movie made 140 million dollars at the box office um so right off the bat he he knows how to make a movie that or he knows how to pick projects and write scripts that uh that make their money back Mm -hmm. um so that being said yeah maybe ethan hawk saw that and was like yeah i think this guy this guy can make a good movie um after emily rose um Scott Derrickson goes on to direct, you know, the, the earth stood still, uh, that Keanu Reeves, uh, sort of reboot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The 2008 movie with Keanu Reeves, which is a a reboot of a, of a classic sci-fi movie. Um, another movie that made a shit ton of money, $233 million, um, on an $80 million budget. So he's kind of starting to get his like blank checks and stuff where they're like, all right, you can do a little passion. Yeah. Studios are willing to, yeah, they're willing to like give him, you know, real big boy budgets to make real big boy money and everything. Um, and then he Which makes. Is, that's basically what we've seen with Juan yeah, recently too. Exactly. As we talked about with Malignant. It's mm-hmm. like okay, 
you're crushing it with these superhero films. Go make something, have some fun. And they just let him do whatever he wants. Exactly. You know, obviously that still works out for him. Classic mm-hmm. Italian horror style, mm-hmm. but now. Yeah, Giallo, yeah, Giallo like yeah. J-horror. Um, <laughs> yeah, or if you haven't listened to our Malignant episode, go back and like and listen to that or any other episode where we talk about James Wan. Um, because, yeah, he, yeah he, is a, he is a crazy dude. And yeah. uh, he, he kind of represents a lot about the current moment in horror movies and, and you know, having kicked off. Uh, a couple of franchises of his own and made his own sizable fortune for various studios um, under the under the horror genre. Um, so then the next movie, the one that directly precedes the one that we watched for today, um, is uh, Deliver Us from Evil. Um, it's a I, that's one of the ones that I haven't seen of his. I haven't seen that one. Either. Yeah, I I kind of glanced over like the synopsis of it and everything, and it's another yeah sort of. Um, um, it involves demons and ghosts and has sort of a similar theme to, uh, to, you know, an exorcism movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting because it, it sort of in the interviews that Scott Derrickson gave about it, uh, people sort of bring up the fact that he is one of the, you know, one of the few like kind of like openly religious directors in the industry too. Um, and I think that'll be a really interesting thing to talk about as we sort of get into a discussion of his perspective on the genre, the industry and stories like the one we see in Sinister, right? Um, so Deliver Us From Evil, just kind of put it in perspective, I hate that, you know, not to get too bogged down in numbers. Um, that one, the movie directly previous to Sinister had a $30 million budget, made about $87 million. This movie, a tenth of the budget, three million dollars, comes back, makes the same amount of money, um, and so it's a three three thousand percent return. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Like th- I think this is his lowest budget. Yeah, movie. Mm-hmm. This is his lowest budget his movie. Highest, well, it's well, not his highest highest, highest return. So directly after that, he gets scooped up by Marvel to go direct Doctor the first Strange. Doctor Strange movie. Um, oh, mm-hmm. So okay. he directed the first Doctor Strange movie mm-hmm. and was actually set up to direct the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, he was writing on and, uh, you know, producing the second Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, uh, but separated from it in 2020 due to creative differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they handed over to Sam Raimi, which, I mean, mm-hmm. I was like, okay with. Yeah, yeah. No. I still haven't seen it. You haven't seen it yet? Okay, no, cool. I, I haven't yeah. seen it either. All right, cool. We won't get bogged down in a conversation about Doctor Strange because we're actually going to handle that on a uh, little side off uh, side shoot podcast. So mm. don't even worry about it, but you know, tune in for, for our, our random drunken discussion about that later on. Um, but yeah, uh, Scott Derrickson, he, he's an amazing director. I, I actually, I really, really like his movies and I, I am fascinated by the direction his career is going. Um, one thing that I'm really excited for him to do that's coming out soon is another Ethan Hawke movie, uh, The Black Phone. He's um, doing that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, oh, my God. Yeah. The trailer. Which I just yes. saw the trailer for oh. when I went and saw Men. That's yeah. They played Black Phone trailer as yeah. well. Yeah. So The Black Phone um, is another. So he's kind of, you know, teaming up with Ethan Hawke again. Um, he's terrifying. And it was, yeah, Ethan Hawke can be terrifying when he wants to be. Have you seen Moon Knight? Yeah, exactly. He, he plays a villain really well. He plays like, a cult leader really yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. He's a, I, I would, I mean, if Ethan Hawke started a cult, it'd be better. I would join Jared his Leto's. over Leto's. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, given, yeah, given the option between the two of them. Yeah. Definitely Ethan Hawke over, over Jared Leto's. Yeah. The Black Phone is uh, based on a short story that comes from uh, a book of the same name that had an alternate title to begin with that was written by uh, Joe Hill. Um, so yeah, Joe Hillstrom King, who is Stephen King's son, mm-hmm. um, is, is, Arguably, I don't know if you've yeah. So this book of short stories, I have it in there on the table, and it's a uh, he's man. He he's just as good of a writer, if not better, than his dad. He has like, I don't know the way the way to put it is like, uh, 
he, I feel like he's much better at writing the, um, like not avant-garde, but he has much more sort of, um, uh, like surreal, um, or like hyper-realism elements to his short stories. Mm. Um, and yeah, the, the story that the movie, the black phone is going to be based on is only like 30 pages. Um, but they expanded it into a script that's going to be produced and made into a movie that's coming out next week, actually. Um, but that is the, the project that he exited Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness to then go and make, um, good call. Yeah. I, I think mean, it was, he's leaving a huge, uh, yeah. paycheck, an yeah. undeniable paycheck. Yeah. yeah. Like even if, He's making it back. No matter what he did with multiverse, like the dude was going to get paid. Yeah. So shouts out to some artistic integrity there, I guess. It he is, chose to dip out, you know, yeah. or maybe was forced out. We don't really know. Yeah. The, the whole the creative differences thing seems to be like an umbrella under which you can kind vague, of yeah, like, yeah. Especially under like Disney, Marvel, like mm-hmm. who knows, like. Don't make yeah, it you too can't scary. really mess. You can't rock the boat too much. But that being said, it's like I wonder what his. So it's funny. Yeah, is is interesting that you guys haven't seen that because it's. I wonder what version of that movie would have come out if he had stayed in it, um, because it is like people still call it, you know, Marvel's first horror movie, and I think you know, I love that direction for that studio and that industry because directors like this and like Sam Raimi, like honestly, either one, it, it's just fascinating to me that. You know the giant studio, the the monolith is is trying to, you know, take take chances on them at mm-hmm. the moment. Um, access that yeah. other part of the audience as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Scott Derrickson directing, uh, Ethan Hawke obviously starring. This is like, yeah, I don't I don't know. I wanted to give a couple shout outs to other yeah cast Ethan Hawke. members. Oh yeah, um, Juliet Ryland, who plays his wife. Um, I knew her from The Nick, which was a Showtime original series that only had two two or three seasons um starring clive owen Hmm. um as the head surgeon of the knickerbocker hotel at like the turn of the century um incredible series if you haven't seen that he's basically as most surgeons were at the time hopelessly addicted to opiates and cocaine (laughs) um but like a brilliant minded surgeon and it's basically him like trying to go through these like surgical practices that nobody's ever done before while dealing with his entire life falling apart. Was Um, it pre-Nurse Jackie? um, I want to say it it came out in 2015. Okay. Um, That's right there with Nurse Jackie. Hmm. You said it was HBO? Showtime. Showtime. Yeah. So it took me a while to end up watching it because I never had access to Showtime. Right. As most people don't. Yeah. I think I ended up like torrenting a season of it or something like that. So I um, but that show's great. Juliet Ryland plays, I want to say, the daughter of like the owner of the um, the Knickerbocker Hospital in New York. Okay. She does a great job in that. Yeah, because well. I didn't recognize her from anything else. And I was like, yeah. I was and trying to place looking, her. Yeah. After looking, that's the only thing that I would have recognized mm-hmm. her from for sure. Yeah. Is she English? Uh, I don't know. She is English. Yeah, she's okay. an English yeah. actor. Because that is something I looked up like right when I was rewatching this. Um, you know, for the first couple of times, because I was like, I couldn't. I was trying to figure out quickly at the beginning whether her accent was like a mistake or not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the same thing. I was like, they always do this. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, because well, yeah, but like most, I feel like most British actors are really good at like doing the American accent. Yeah. The like other way Tom around. Holland, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're they're like because it's like their your mouth has to do less to do the American accent than it does to do the uh, English accent. Yeah. <laughs> the face you can't you can't see this right now because we haven't gotten the video format down yet. But the the faces that Cameron was making were uh, trying to get yeah. It done. yeah. You could tell he was working 
working really hard to be yeah. English, at least in. in <laughs> <laughs> you got a smile with your yeah, bottom it's, teeth. It's not, it's not. It's not pursed lips. This is your Nigel it's Thornberry impression. Pursed teeth. Mm, mm-hmm. not sure. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah, no, that was like in the very first like scene. I was like, was she? Is she supposed to be English? That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. yeah. First thing yeah. that came up, I was like, right. one, they always do this. Mm-hmm. The the most like practical thinker is either English in a horror movie. Like mm-hmm. English or mm-hmm. some European, yeah. like yeah, they're the most grounded. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, they add they add a certain level of gravitas to uh to a, to a film that mm-hmm. like you know kind of lends it some some uh, some uh, I don't know. Yeah, those imperialists really know how to <laughs> manage a situation. Yeah, they know how to, <laughs> they know how to manage a situation in a foreign that's, country. That's, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. What if uh, they had like a Cockney like? Oi! Oi! No! Go! Go! What's where all these ghost children coming from? Um, hey, beijing on him before we get my... <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so yeah, and then Ethan Hawke, obviously, uh, famous for, I don't know, fucking everything, I guess. Like, I, I, he, would you call Ethan Hawke an underrated actor? He's not, like, he's, I mean, he's in so much stuff, but he, he's kind of like, I feel like he's I don't, I don't more feel famous. Like his name doesn't come up enough, mm-hmm. in my like, opinion. But. Yeah, like the last 10 years, it was kind of like mm-hmm. a ghost period. And then he just last. Yeah, I mean, he's been two years. He's got a bunch of shit coming up too. Yeah, uh, you think it's because the movie Boy? Or, well, or Boyhood, Boyhood is yeah. one, but I also think like so like that. So yeah, Richard Linklater. I feel like he, you know, his fame comes from many more sort of like indie projects than big blockbusters, and maybe that's why in when my mind thinks like when I think of Ethan Hawke I don't automatically go to you know giant box office like you know killers or you know famous movies and stuff but his you know like the whole before sunset uh trilogy mm-hmm. um or boyhood yeah these like Gattaca. yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. um but yeah most recently I guess like most largely in in Moon Knight you're right yeah where he plays the villain which yeah his performance in that one is is freaking fantastic Terrifying. yeah the that is that one sequence they have in there where he's like stepping on glass like at the beginning of uh, it yeah, yeah. Bob Dylan's uh mm-hmm. I forgot what song was playing but uh like Sands of Time or something like mm-hmm. that and uh yeah it just showed like his devotion to uh this yeah the deity in yeah. that show the mm-hmm. Egyptian deity or whatever um, but I feel like that's the thing is like, I feel like projects, I don't know, this isn't an indie movie. It obviously like, you know, killed it at the box office and everything, but then going on to make, you know, another smaller budget film with Scott Derrickson again, um, you know, that will be released next week. Uh, I, I didn't mention that before, but yeah, the drop in budget between, uh, you know, his Dr. Strange movie and the black phone, which is very, very, you know, a sub $50 million movie, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, by it's, it's a lot of money, but yeah. by, by industry standards, it's, you know, it's, it's an expensive movie. Um, he's not, you know, he doesn't seem like who's somebody who's beholden to, mm-hmm. you know, being a big star. He's, you know, he's, he likes to make so projects that are like artistic. He respects and, the craft yeah, a bit, you know? Exactly. Um, I want to shout out his, directing work on uh he directed blaze in 2018 which is Hmm. the uh biographical story of blaze foley okay um and his wife sybil rosen i haven't seen that um it's incredible i mean if you especially i mean we live in or i live in texas now so the whole like blaze foley towns van zandt scene and ethos was like not something that got talked about a lot in wisconsin how did i miss that because towns van zandt's my mm, yeah but Uh, yeah so blaze foley i mean he had a rough life and mm-hmm. it's that whole movie is like the the timeline of 
Blaze kind of becoming a star. He goes on the road with Towns Van Zandt and mm-hmm. struggles with his wife and his relationship up until his death. And Ethan Hawke directed it. Um, Alia Shawcott um, from Arrested Development, Search yeah, Party. Yeah. yeah. She plays his wife. Oh, wow. And then his actual wife, Sybil Rosen, is mm-hmm. in it as like her mom mm-hmm. and helped oh, with writing cool. credits. Um, so that's incredible if you haven't seen that. That made me... I think when I saw that is when I realized Ethan Hawke maybe actually cares yeah about not just the money you know <laughs> well, I was like, oh you're a cool fucking guy probably you know to yeah. take on a project like boyhood and be like <laughs> right you know the- I, I think that's why we haven't heard from him like a lot or he's not like you know household name except it kind of is it's because of the projects he actually does yeah it's they're like you know the before sunset and all that yeah just amazing long-term projects mm-hmm. but like will go down in history as like classics yeah and and also just like feats of filmmaking that yeah. you know spanning multiple yeah the the idea of, of a film spanning a decade or multiple decades is yeah it's it's kind of it's mind-boggling um but yeah so this yeah this movie obviously is pumped full of uh it's got got a lot of creative juices flowing through it um the basic premise is you know as you know getting to a discussion of the plot um the idea is that we have a true crime writer uh ellison uh, who uh, is on sort of, the, he's, he's in a, a trough of uh, his career. He's on the downswing and he's trying to sort of redeem himself because he's, he's having financial issues. He's having uh, marriage issues. Yeah, he's having Remembering. a crisis. So he decides to go full shining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, yeah. good call. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, this is just like, it's like he's going yeah. back and everything. He's, shiny, he's, got, he's got a laptop. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's got a laptop instead of a typewriter, but he is having a very big Jack Torrance moment, uh, moving into a, a, a new house um, to investigate a, uh, a recent um, murder, multiple murder, quadruple yeah, homicide, quadruple homicide and kidnapping. Child. Yeah. yeah. Um, the 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 premise is that he moves into a house, the house of the murder victims, uh, to to find out what happened, and then uh, chaos ensues whenever he happens upon a strange box full of old Super Eight films, and uh, has to go down this rabbit hole of watching old Super Eights, transferring them to digital film, and then uh, discovers Des- a deciphering de- yeah. the uh, the cl- the clues yeah. in the films. And yeah, why exactly. all the kids just tell you to be quiet? Like, yeah, sh- 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 creepy little. ass yeah. little <laughs> kids. Yeah, and then uh, 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 uncovers a, a mimetic demon uh, who uh, ultimately causes him to yeah. die. <laughs> known, known by the children as Mister Boogie. Mister Boogie, Mr. which Boogie. you know, like I said, this was my first time watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as he's watching all the films, I think you know this came up when he's watching the first one. He's starting his research. He's watching the first film. Um, which shows the murders at the home that he's currently staying in, uh, hanging. But uh, in the in the movie opens with that. Yeah, like, yeah. Does, what do you guys think of this? What do you think of this? Cool that was open? a hard fucking exactly. open. Exactly. You knew exactly like, what we were getting into. Yeah. I love that I, this was your first time watching it because so this cold good. open. I wish you yeah, you would have made your fiance you watch this. My but face, like, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. It, yeah. Yeah. And that, even that title like card, the they just like they just tie, they squeeze in the little title like, card at the bottom right of the screen. And I just love how drawn out the that opening sequence is too, and it's so good. Yeah. They just keep kicking. Keep mm-hmm. hanging. Man, the wrong movie. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, well, you should not listen to this podcast. Go watch it first and then come back and listen to us. Yes. Uh, spoiler. But, yeah. This whole, yeah. This, if you haven't figured it out by now, this podcast is about spoilers. Um, but 
that whole opening sequence also takes place i think on my second or third watch i realized that it was in slow motion um it's not later when it gets replayed Mm -hmm. um because i was like trying to figure out the mechanics of how the long saw is working and i was like it's going really slow and then it like gets tossed aside you can just barely make out Mm -hmm. yeah and it falls very slowly or whatever Mm -hmm. but there's four there's a whole family with their heads uh wrapped in like like a burlap. burlap sacks and they're being they're hung up um over a um a tree with a rope the ropes swung over a branch to the other side to the other a very heavier limb and as the uh, the saw is sawing through the tree branch it falls down and lifts them all up off the ground and it's just a yeah it's it's a chilling way to cold open a movie mm. you know they did uh, that like practically too smut. really yeah all that with was like, like the the stunt coordinator got in trouble cuz he accidentally i think it was uh the wife was actually Kind of getting strangled. Was getting strangled. I was oh thinking that when I was watching it because mm-hmm. it looks pretty yeah. practical. Yeah, and I'm like, are single... they? Do they have? Do they have ropes it's... under their? Usually, arm? No, when they do that, like a safety harness. Yeah, it, it's like it's a wraparound harness that goes around, and then it's like it hooks in the back, so it distributes mm-hmm. the weight to your, you know, your torso and the rest of your body. So you're obviously not yeah. actually being hung by your neck. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I played it off well. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's the the ropes <laughs> that are tied around their neck are actually tied to the tree branch. Mm-hmm. So that's why like the stunt coordinator got in trouble because the tree branch fell in a way a little like deeper than it was mm-hmm. supposed to, and it started actually like oh, kind of yeah. choking and going like above the safety mm-hmm. harness. Yeah, so it's and then you, if you put somebody in that situation and the safety harness fails, you're hitting da- something. Yeah, you need an out. You need an like yeah. an additional yeah. safety thing there for sure like a kid in a tree holding a saw but she said no to the saw yeah (laughs) yeah um so yeah after that cold open they get their like their move-in scene and everything um the cops hassle them a little bit yeah i love that also in that opening sequence yeah we get a little bit of like it seems uh ellison the character played by ethan hawk is a little bit like a cab like he's a Mm. it's cool because he's like sometimes the cops get it right but some a lot of times they don't and it's like because he has that very like keep writing yeah he has that very like true crime like approach to it millions Mm. yeah baby um (laughs) and the sheriff um that dude was one of the admirals in hunt for red october really oh shit yeah Oh, that's that's nice another one where I was like, I've seen that yeah. before. See, yeah, I yeah, I, did, I didn't bother to look it and up. And he's though. probably been like, you know, some shitty general in like 20 different like military-esque movies mm-hmm. over the years. But that's the one where I, I recognize him from. Mm-hmm. He was actually Spanky from The Little Rascals. <laughs> <laughs> and we also get, uh, so in that opening sequence too, they get, uh, they that's when we first see uh, Deputy So-and-So, uh, played by James Ransone, uh, mm-hmm. who shows up in the sequel too. Um, cause he, if you don't recognize him, he comes from, um, he's also in the, uh, it chapter two, the sequel to the first one. He plays the older version of Eddie, uh, in that movie. Um, and he's just like, he, he's obviously the main character of the second one. And we'll get into why later, um, in our discussion. Uh, but yeah, that, I love that opening sequence because and I just, the one thing I want to point out in the opening sequence is, uh, the fucking sick ass gray cardigan that Ethan Hawke wears throughout the rest of this film that I just, uh, I spent an embarrassing amount of time trying with, to find it on find HMA, that fucking HMA. Cardigan. <laughs> did, you check, did you check the gap uh, yeah. i actually did track down apparently according to the uh costume designer for the movie uh <laughs> according to a, his manager the whole address i found it's a uh, it's, it's a it's, it's a banana republic cardigan that had uh the costume designer sewed those leather patches onto uh for the elbows and stuff that's a good look like, god it's so fucking good yeah i hate that like just I, like you want to have like a pipe 
or yeah. something with mm-hmm. it. It's just like crispy you put it right in your leather. He course, is yeah. a cliche yeah. as far as character design goes. Like Ethan Hawke's character is like cliche, cliche writer. writer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love this trope. In uh, I, I feel like horror movies are very guilty of this. Like we just mentioned, The Shining. Um, and uh, with you know with Jack Torrance and stuff, but I, yeah. one of the easiest things one of the easiest things for a writer to write about is a writer. It seems mm-hmm. like, and uh, this movie is definitely guilty of that if it's a bad thing, because um, he is he is a writer in in like every sense of the word and suffers. The main the plot is driven by his uh, his motivations and uh, mm-hmm. shortcomings as a writer. Obsession, yeah, his obsession, yeah. With which being as a we writer. kind of mentioned earlier, and we'll probably get to, could be seen as an an allegory to. Derrickson himself yeah uh, that's why you kind of see this portrayal of writers because Derrickson may be having some some of these same internal struggles yeah with his faith and the types of films that he makes yeah which is very like I did not so did know, you know he about was this? religious I didn't yeah. know he was religious so, at all uh if, if you if you don't know uh Scott Derrickson is uh one of the few people in the industry who is is you know is openly religious uh he's a uh, which you know it's it's that's not the the catalyst for many issues just that it's it's interesting given the context of the types of films he makes um particularly you know the one coming onto the scene with an exorcism movie um and then being asked multiple times in interviews you know do you believe in demons and ghosts and Mm -hmm. things like this Mm -hmm. and uh he he usually parries a story where an actual child died yeah and that's like that's a very real story Mm -hmm. and that's like that's what blew my mind was i didn't know he was religious Mm because that's one of the few if only the the one exorcism movie to where they bring in scientific evidence. Mm-hmm. Like, so this is actually what happened. Mm-hmm. And then for it to leave kind of ambiguous at the end. Yeah. For our, for our listeners, if you don't know, uh, the exorcism of Emily Rose is based on a, uh, a, a true uh, event that occurred in Germany um, around a, uh, a woman named Annalise Michelle. Is it Michelle or my, yeah, I think it's Michelle. Well, it depends. Like, yeah. The German pronunciation right. um, who uh, essentially her, her family and re- her, relatives and you know the surrounding community subjected her to like 64 occurrences of uh, of exorcism rituals um while she was experiencing what would arguably you know was was really a psychotic break um she need was in desperate need of uh, of you know of mental health care um and eventually passed away due to malnourishment uh, after being you know starved and not or not being able to eat or and being um, sort of, you know, abused and mistreated during the rites of this, these, uh, these exorcism rituals. Um, so that's that's the premise and the story that the exorcism of Emily Rose is based on. Um, the interesting thing about this movie, so, you know, framing a true crime author uh, who who is dealing with uh, and you know, pr- you know, professing to sort of, uh, you know, to, to, to care about the subjects of his books um, and and not wanting to exploit them. Um, it's interesting because there yeah, there there are a lot of like parallels between the idea of uh, of making a movie about a true crime author coming to terms with his demons of or you know his subjects and and his career and then you know. A, a filmmaker who who made a, a lot of money uh, off of a film that's based on you know a true subject, where uh, who was you know a uh, the subject of a of a really gross I, and heinous event. And stuff. I never put that together. Yeah, like, holy shit. That's, Have you yeah. seen what Scott Derrickson looks like? No, he looks exactly like Ethan Hawke in this movie. Okay, of <laughs> <Yeah>. course. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull up. Okay. I can pull up a picture for you right now. But he uh, does yeah. he have the leather patches and everything? He has the yeah. I, I can't speak to the leather patches. You just but, gave him his uh, wardrobe. Yeah. Oh my god! Like from a distance. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh. So I yeah, whether conscious or not, there there is an interesting element of that in this movie because uh, conscious. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the main 
one of the main you know sort of plot points is uh, is Ethan Hawke uh, dealing in, in, in conversations with his wife of uh, uh, you know, about the status of his, his career, right? So we get that opening moving scene, right, and then we pretty early on establish that uh, you know his, his his marriage isn't on the ropes. They they seem to have a pretty good relationship at the beginning. And one thing I like about the way this plot goes is the 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 very clear development of not only the character of Ellison himself, who we see you know thanks to Ethan Hawke's performance and then also you know the writing and directing we see the decline of his physical and mental state as well as the decline of the relationship with his wife and his um, morals mm-hmm. yeah and his morals too yeah. as he he at the beginning of the movie he yeah he he professes to be this this upright true crime author who is you in know it for the justice exactly right. yeah we get flashbacks later on to uh old interviews from like book tours like, even he's... even in the interview yeah. you knew he was full of shit though yeah he was like yeah do it for the justice he's asked by an interviewer he says you know if you could trade it you know if you you know because so to backtrack a little bit um the idea is that ellison uh the main character of this movie is a true crime author who wrote a book uh called uh what is it blood in kentucky 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 blood Blood, where um we've seen he effectively solved the crime right writing this book. we've seen instances like this uh in real life right with like mm-hmm. the green river killer and like stuff like that where it's um true crime obsessives and you know this is like the dream of a true crime fan where you know you go in mm-hmm. and you're seeing all the material and you find something that the authorities did it and it ends up like solving the case yeah, you're like crowdsourcing the the case mm-hmm. isn't that kind of what beyond like, the, the law enforcement was it the texas three something with the uh is it the Texas or Pennsylvania three or Memphis something? three? Memphis three. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. There, Didn't they kind of do that with a documentary? Like, well, they so they, they were exonerated eventually uh, of their of their um, like their suspected murder of the of the, the small child or whatever. Yeah. Um. The one, the big one that I'm thinking of is the one that you know possibly after you know Patton Nozzle's wife, like where yes. it's like yeah, where uh, the Green the, River Killer. That was the Green River. Was it the Hillside Strength? Or no, was that it, was the. Uh, Golden State Killer. Golden State Killer, my yeah, bad. The police um, officer. Right. Yeah. So it, this is the the situation in this film is, is kind of one of those where the idea is that um, Ellison, Ethan Hawke's character, is famous now for basically uh, writing a true crime novel that solved a you know a cold case. Um, and so throughout the film, uh, as Ethan Hawke's character is in decline, uh, we see him drunkenly watching old videos of his own interviews, uh, where he's I guess you know people do that. Reliving yeah, living the glory days. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the interviewers will ask him, you know, would you, if you could trade the fame, you know, if you could choose between, you know, the fame and the money that this, you know, this book deal and the success that you've had has given you versus the justice for the families, you know, which one would you choose? And he says, obviously the justice, right? Well, and so long, that's long pause. He goes, mm. It's the justice it's, it's for me. It's the justice. Yeah. <laughs> Delivered like, oh, like a true, yeah. right. true crime mm-hmm. hero. And and it's great because it's it, we set up this dynamic. Like, yeah, like I said, there there are elements of that to be perceived. I don't want to, you know, obviously like speak negatively like of, of it, or like frame it that way. But it is interesting to me that those are all elements of this, you know, f- from a filmmaker who who dabbles not you know very wholeheartedly in these in these uh these topics and stuff um and then to see the the decline like the the reversal of that as by the end of the movie um you know as ethan Hawke's character and his wife are like fighting a bunch and he's just kind of like he he makes it clear he's like once we get this deal you know everything will be fixed i just yeah, need we'll to get my book money we can move back. yeah i just like, need the yeah good again it's like it's very much like a, a one big score kind of movie like a heist movie kind mm-hmm. of thing right I where it's like one book yeah, yeah right just one last deal mm-hmm. right um which is cool i like that i like like framing you know a horror movie in 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 the 
sort of the format of like another genre of like a heist movie or or some you know bust or even like like a uh, like a mm-hmm. like a buddy cop or like a cop crime thing where it's like he's just trying to get that you know he gets pulled in for yeah whatever. and I mean that makes complete sense mm-hmm. in the way that the human psyche works like he's just chasing that one big high again right like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter yeah. if it's a book if it's an actual high mm-hmm. if it's money you know that's a normal feeling for somebody to have especially like at his age you know with the success that he's had and they, they kind of mentioned that his last few books flopped yeah or yeah. actually the cops mentioned something the that sheriff, he fucked yeah. one of the books up oh yeah and he fucked the case up mm-hmm. for the police and even uh, it, yeah it's, he might be trying to like redeem himself right for that, and know? it's funny because like even like you know the conversations he has with his wife and stuff where she's like it, it's funny how like how, how involved in his career his family is right where it's like his wife is like you know trying to almost kind of like pull him off the precipice and being like well maybe that was your 15 minutes of fame and yeah. maybe, maybe it's time to hang it it's up seen, and like i like their relationship yeah like, it's it's yeah, such it's, a good it's very, healthy, it's a very like, complex yeah, relationship yeah, because too, when though. he starts like decaying a little mm-hmm. bit yeah, just she knows and she's like i've seen this before and he's like yeah what i wrote the good book that's right. when this happens. Yeah. So just let me do it. And she's like, you know, maybe he's right. That like, one line that she brings a out thing going on. But yeah. she's yeah. like, you've never hit the whiskey this early. Right. right. And I was like, <laughs> and he's like, I've never been onto something this yeah. early. What's yeah. great is all these conversations that we were talking about, like these scenes all happen in, in the background in the window is that tree. Yeah. That branch cut oh, down. Yeah. It's so still it's, there in the yard. It's kind of like a symbol, like symbolic <laughs> thing of like his obsession is just, always there it's always mm-hmm. gonna be in the back so that's why yeah. i always thought of like shining literally in the house where it's right been, yeah where exactly yeah. but they don't know that he started the whole thing off with a lie like mm-hmm. are we just are we just living <laughs> yeah are we living down, living down the street their relationship is super healthy also he yeah. lied about them living in the yeah, murder yeah. house well he did i mean it wasn't a lie. he's like no we're not yeah. living down the street He's a man of technicality. Do you want to try yeah. to like yeah. explain your way out of that one? Yeah, yeah. semantics. Wife? I personally don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. So, so we, as far as like the 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 horrific elements of the movie go, um, we get into the you know the horror scenes pretty quickly. Essentially, like right after moving in, uh, he happens upon this this random box in the attic that where after smashing a scorpion, which yeah. which aren't are, I don't know, are there scorpions in in Pennsylvania? Like, well, when the ghouls around, there are. I guess there are. Yeah, <laughs> when the ghouls around, he uh, yeah, just dropping like, scorpions oh, around. One of these? He? <laughs> the rock will stay over here. <laughs> He's got a box full of Super Eight reels and a Super Eight projector, and I guess an aspect of being a true crime author is that you're also really good at, at you know editing and putting the end splicing manu- film together yeah and and, and manning a, a super eight projector mm, that's um, how i write a book yeah yeah exactly he sets yeah, he up did, he does google it he does google it that is yeah. true yeah that how 2012 edit, safari yeah how to edit super eight yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i love i i didn't think about it beforehand but um in the like the taglines, you know the keywords for this movie. It's called a, a found footage movie, and I was like, it is a found footage movie, and it mm-hmm. kind of didn't occur to me until I was like, I saw some of those like tags, and I was like, yeah, it totally is. Even though you yeah. know, the movie itself is 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 produced and stuff, but it depends on these the found footage, you know, topics and stuff, and. It's a uh, we'll kind of this in a discussion more as we talk about Bagul and like the monster in this movie, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it's he 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 finds these super eight movies and they're the they're basically like snuff films of murders mm-hmm. um and they all have very sweet titles like pool party or like hanging, Londe, out. hanging out hanging yeah out, yeah and they and portray it does start with some like voyeurism yeah which 
made me think it wasn't particularly I was thinking about how this you know this first series that of films that we're looking at are all demonic possession haunting type of thing mm-hmm. and as I'm watching it I'm like this seems like a like a psychological crime thriller yeah like there's mm-hmm. a serial murderer because it you know it's very normal for a, a serial killer to have like that trophy like they view for voyeur voyeuristically yeah in on the family and have like this tape of them being all happy Mm -hmm. and then murder them right but but that's the thing is like the tapes appear to be like home videos but to your point you're right like he begins approaching it as if he's looking at he's like as he's writing on his mood board that he creates in his (laughs) office and stuff he puts up the you know he's always sunny uh, yeah he's he's asking like the the questions that the audience is asking why would you film it yeah yeah who's filming but also have you ever shot with a super 8 camera they're loud as fuck. Yeah. So, like, how so would the family the not be like, 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 and then yeah. there's someone looking like Bagul hiding in the bushes. Yeah. <laughs> like, not, not Carry on. Yeah. Yeah. Don't pay attention yeah. to me. Ignore me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's because they're, they they appear to be home videos at first, mm-hmm. and then but then they quickly turn. They, there's a quick cut in each video um, to a, a very, very slow and ominous uh portrayal of a, a first person perspective of murder um what was your what was your favorite video um, we've got I, okay so what do we, we've got i you got, you I, got hanging out we got hanging out we got pool party pool party um what they call the 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 car so, so uh, to, for, barbecue, for, for, for bar- listeners barbecue. for yeah. listeners hanging out which is the tree murder at the beginning the, op- the cold open to the movie mm-hmm. um pool party which uh starts out which with a family playing in a pool who's sliding down slides the quick cut shows them all duct tape to lawn chairs which are then pulled into the pool so that the entire family drowns um we've got barbecue, barbecue where starts out with a cookout mm-hmm. and then quickly cuts to uh, an entire Our family duct taped inside, inside of yeah a, with of a that has chains wrapped around it which mm-hmm. is then set on fire um, we have um, lawn lawn care lawn care or which lawn is it lawn care something like that which yeah. Uh, that one I think fucked me up the most. Yeah, that's the because only one. That they saved that one till no, later. There's yeah. no context. Yeah, there's no context, and it's the only one that has a uh, super like sharp uh, cut. Yeah, sharp sharp cut. And but if you like, also they they just do like a scream or like a screech. Yeah, or something. It's the only one that has like a screech to it. But if you watch it on mute, it's still terrifying. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's because it yeah, happens are, so quick, right? Yeah, because you're expecting. I was like, like, is he just stealing the lawnmower? Yeah. Right, because it looks like but, that. It's yeah, like, oh, lawnmower in the garage. I yeah. love, I, I, I love this element of like it. So the the idea that like, you know. They, like I said before, they, these are essentially snuff films, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's the idea that you're watching real murders in real life, um, and they do a lot of like clever things to sort of you know camera wise to kind of get around them and frame them, but still make them incredibly unsettling. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's the idea that you're presenting, you know, you're showing these families happy and together for one thing, and then showing a very graphic murder mm-hmm. um, makes you care about what you're seeing. Yeah, and you get around the. I think you know, rating wise, you get around it by they do a really clever thing of you know they cut away when it gets to something. It's, it's rated R. It's rated R, but I think it would be NC seventeen or something else if they right. if they remained on you know the true yeah. shots of it. But they yeah. do oh, a, when the, the 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 other one the when knife the people get slitting their, yeah the throat yeah, slitting one called? I don't it's slumber party slumber party slumber yeah party. nice um, they do a clever thing of like when they cut away from it they show the reflection of yeah. it in Ethan Hawke's glasses. Mm-hmm. So, so would you say this was like because this was before like the reaction videos that you see on YouTube? Uh, so this is kind of twenty twelve. Yeah, so this is mm-hmm. kind of like 
the first uh, somatic reaction video. Yeah, it's a horror version of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, like, could be said. He's yeah. essentially the mm-hmm. audience by watching these. Like we're watching with him. Mm-hmm. And we're also watching him react to it, mm-hmm. which makes it a little bit more horrifying because if you just watch the snuff films, you know, like we all... I mean, maybe not all of us, but like in the early 2000s, when the the internet was the wild west, when the beheading videos came out, yeah. like I was like 11 or 12. Yeah. I didn't know how to react. I was disgusted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then like here we have someone watching a whole family get, you know, murdered multiple times in different various ways. And but we can actually like, be like oh. Oh God! So that's what he's gone through, and he's yeah, like you're this, seeing it the first time with him. Yeah, and he's like this grizzled, like mm-hmm. hardcore, callous, true crime writer. But then he's getting disgusted, like he has to turn away and everything. Mm-hmm. And so we have to see it through his starts hitting that whiskey, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I noted that in my notes. <laughs> Ethan Hawk. I think it says in my notes like Ethan Hawk is concerned there's not enough whiskey in the world for this. Exactly. <laughs> he, yeah, he hits it. Because we kind of get, we get into like the, him watching the videos like really quickly. Like it happens mm-hmm. in like, essentially like the second scene. Um, and then throughout the, like the, the, fir- the end of the first and the most of the second act, he's going back and like watching them, you know, over and over again. Um, and it, it's interesting, like he, I don't know, there, I will say there, there is one thing about like in the middle that the film does kind of start to drag for me because we basically get, no one this, cares about Trevor. Yeah. Well, for one thing, no one cares about Trevor because fuck Trevor. Yeah. But like, we kind of get the Except same. for that first fucking scene. Yeah. Like, yeah. The jump scare. His box scene. Yeah. yeah. That, the, that body work. That contortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That shit. And the the face and the scream. I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. yeah that was We're a great. Escal- everything escalated very quickly. Yeah. We kind of get the the one like complaint I have about that middle section is that it's kind of like the same sequence, like back to back. Like before he mm-hmm. starts like digitizing all of the videos and mm-hmm. stuff, it's like he watches a scary video, hears a noise. He hears the, you know, the, what I assume, I guess we're supposed to believe is like the, the children's footsteps in the attic above him. He goes, yeah, looks around the house and then gets like a fake out jump scare. The first time it's the daughter, Ashley. Mm -hmm. Right. And then who we haven't talked about yet, but she like, when they're moving in, she's like drawing on the walls. I guess they have a rule about like, she's allowed to paint on the walls in her room, but nowhere else. Which also incredible work from the daughter. She's painting dark to light and how she's supposed to be like, she's going to be a great artist someday. yeah she's yeah. like 10 though yeah mm-hmm. well and well now she's that's an advanced technique yeah well now she's a demon child and so like she, she yeah she'll have plenty of time to perfect her craft true yeah in hell in- yeah. <laughs> actually God. she'll be making all the portraits for bagul yeah because there you go. That's, oh, yeah because yeah. that's make... how his uh legacy i guess was mm-hmm. or his possessions were able to keep going the drawings right. of uh yeah. Mr. Boogie. Mr. Boogie. Mr. Boogie. Better from yeah. here. Yeah. He yeah, um, an actual portrait of Mr. Boogie. Yeah. Um, so, th- yeah, through this middle section, essentially what happens is, like, you know, we get the first encounter with the videos. We get, like, you know, the running around. We get, you know, scary noises in the house. And then um, that Ethan That provide Hawk. some brief clue. Yeah. And then, and then he go watch, goes and watches another video. And mm-hmm. because of that clue, sees something more. Mm-hmm. And then some other spooky shit happens. And then well, he comes back and he finds something else. He in the first video. he first sees Bagul. He doesn't and see Bagul till like much later. I think after he it? digitizes the videos or something. Well, no, he sees uh, the it, face was that in a pool. it was in yeah, pool it was oh, pool right. party. Yeah, which is my favorite because uh, I read up on how they did that. That was real. Uh, so all of these like were so they, they actually were all, ran over people with a lawnmower. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, but the uh, the how they shot um, uh, pool party. 
mm. was they they were actually like tied there, but there were like scuba divers down there, like giving them oxygen. Right. Mm. But so they did actually do all that, and Bagul was actually down there, like at the bottom of the pool. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So so there was like a real costume like element of it where they yeah. like had him down there like Practical, behaving with yeah. them. Yeah. Hell yeah. That makes me respect it even way more. Exactly. Well, I mean, that kind of explains the budget too. Exactly. They didn't have to splurge on any of the special effects if they could just figure out a practical. Everything was you know done they practically. didn't spend much on those kids. Yeah. You see those CGI? I, yeah. I don't know. I, I loved the, yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. It was simple, but it was it effective, was I think. Yeah. I really like the slow motion. That's what I was, was yeah, going to say. Slow motion like, ghost kids. Because I was like, cool, that's how you would move in the yeah. spirit realm. Sundays. They have a, um, yeah. What I was gonna say is like the, um, yeah. So like we have like through the middle, like you know, where we we see like multiple instances of him like watching the videos and then uh, going and like running through the house and getting scared and stuff. The first time, the first fake out is the daughter. Um, on the second day, or yeah, the second night, it's like the uh, the he goes out into the hallway and there's like a box that's like shaking, and then that's when Trevor pops out. Yeah, when he like pops out I, backwards. Yeah, and I misplaced like, that yeah. a little bit in the time because line. it's oh. also confusing. So that, like I'm saying, like the the issue I have with the middle section here is that. You know, they never put a turn on any fucking lights in this house. And so it's but very hard to separate, like, the the days from each other. Like, mm-hmm. and even, you know, there's one moment when the power goes out and you can't tell if it's, like, day or night. But it's just, like, yeah. the entire house is just blacked out. And there's sometimes where he's, like, sitting in his little office back there watching yeah. his it's films. Dark. And he tries to, like, call the police or something. Mm-hmm. And then you realize it's, like, noon. Yeah. Yeah, because that's when uh, Trevor gets called home from school. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. the mom is yelling at him. And it's, like, noon. And it's, but his room is like dark as shit. Yeah. yeah. And then he walks out and he's like, oh God. And he's a sad boy. Yeah. He just <laughs> sits think, in the darkness all the time. I, I, I think I, that's what I love about the cinematography in this movie mm-hmm. is and they it, always position it to where like they use that negative space for you to expect something to be there, mm-hmm. but there never is. It's a very dark movie, but effectively so. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's dark I did, throughout. I did note that. And I think. I'd love to see it in a theater setting because I watched it today right? and I tried to close the blinds as much as I could, but like I, there's still a lot of ambient light coming yeah. through and there's points where I'm like squinting. Yeah. Like I don't, I can't even tell what's going mm-hmm. on right now. Maybe I just need a better TV. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I got that too. <laughs> yeah. It's like in, in scenes where it's like, it doesn't seem like it's necessary and like, you know, it, and if if there were if there was something more dynamic happening throughout the middle section, I think it would, you know, it'd be, it'd be different, but um, I still love, yeah, it, it's still a fantastic, you know, like scene by scene, the, the way the story develops is amazing. You know, we, we start to involve, um, you know, about the halfway mark, uh, the deputy so-and-so, mm-hmm. um, played by James Ransone. Um, and I love like his, his character is literally named deputy and like he never, he's never named in this movie or the sequel, um, Sinister 2. He's called deputy so-and-so. I saw, the, I saw the, I saw the sequel once and I didn't, yeah, it's ever it, want to watch it again. It's fine. It's just that, uh, yeah. So I guess you know, ultimately getting to like the the remaining the remainder of the plot, um, you know, deputy so and so gets involved. Who he happens to know a occult expert because in many films like this, you yeah. have to have an occult expert. Call your local community college professor. Do you right? think that, yeah. that guy <laughs> who just it's always all, just, it's, it's, who knows yeah, how to perfectly frame nerd. a picture by looking down? Yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, he got this picture too. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that that actor actually had to show up to set, or if he literally he, just I think he phoned it in. He phoned it in. <laughs> yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio, isn't yeah. that it? Yeah, it was Vincent D'Onofrio was uncredited. Yeah, d- during I think. the pandemic, I yeah. just got a Zoom job. Yeah, as, exactly. As grizzled community college <laughs> professor <laughs> yeah. for horror films. Immediately for... has all these pictures and yeah. just yeah. like, like when he held it up, he, he knew he was looking down 
and like perfectly framed it. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Basically, uh, so J- James Renson, deputy so-and-so, knows uh, the local community college occult expert. Because um, I guess, you know, every community college has an occult expert um, that you can go to for, for quick exposition Here's and explanation the of the demon yeah. in the, yeah. in the I mean, movie. he is also a closeted true crime fan. There you go. That yeah. He doesn't want to admit that to all his fellow we did gloss over, yeah. cops, but he wants to be part of Allison's, like journey on that he sweet, wants to be credited he, in that the book. sweet moment where he's like you know fans. how you have that part in your book where you always say thank you to all the nice people that helped you out well <laughs> i think i could just be you know i could be deputy so and so to yeah. help you he's <laughs> like be, that's like i could be that uh, i could be that for you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just give me a chance I'll be your huckleberry come on ellison <laughs> i won't quit you <laughs> Um, yeah, sadly, but he, and he plays, I mean, he solves the mystery, like, yeah. without Ellison's help, um, and he has all these fucking connections to get, you know, cold information. What, yeah, what'd you think of the, uh, like, the explanation of, uh, you know, Bagul, like, uh, from the occult expert about being a, uh, basically what happens is we go to the occult expert at the college who says that Bagul is, like, a, uh, um, a child eater, um, mm-hmm. or, like, uh, I, I did some you know, research. Moloch? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. this yeah. is this is after they tie, they start tying all these murders together. Yeah, mm-hmm. they all happen in different towns, but there's right. kind of this timeline, and that is what makes. And the defining the, feature of the murders is that there's always one family one member missing. missing. Yeah, um, one child missing. Um, but yeah, no, I don't t- know shit about Bagul. So yeah, that's you, how you, you want to talk about it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I know about as <laughs> yeah. much like uh-huh. the movie tells you yeah. because, like, yeah, it's just isn't it like the brother of. Moloch. Yeah, it's a, Bagul is a fictional, uh, yeah. you know, deity or character or demon or whatever. Um, but it, it's very Be closely related. Oh yeah. Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> uh, just by talking about it, I mean, we're gonna talk about this in a second. But uh, he, uh, yeah, the idea is that he's very tangential to a a, can, a Canaanite, um, like religious deity or figure who is like a uh, yeah the the uh, a, a Moloch who is like where who you sacrifice children to for yeah. uh, nine, in pagan religions kids. and stuff. Yeah. Um, which is a really cool altar. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's horrible, but it's pretty impressive. It's pretty metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> like this giant like bull statue with nine slots in it that's over a fire. And you just place your baby in one of those slots and close place the door. Place your baby. Place your baby. going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It's like then, an advent calendar. It's like a yeah. gumball machine. <laughs> yeah. Reverse advent calendar. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that's a cool element, and I, maybe this is a good time to talk about like what. Okay, so uh, one of the inspirations for this movie, uh, apparently Scott Derrickson con- uh, conceived of the idea for Bagul and for the plot of Sinister after um, having a nightmare following his viewing of the two thousand three, two thousand two, uh, The Ring, the American version. Um, he yeah. watched that movie and had like a nightmare where he's like, it, and it's really interesting because I think you know this goes back to. Um, what we were talking about earlier about like you know uh videos and about like the uh the idea of like witnessing somebody witness something um and something that like i I was explaining uh like last night when we were watching this was like this this idea of like a a mimetic monster um which the ring very much is right one of the main things about you know the ring and like why it was so scary at the time is this idea that just by participating in the viewing of this thing then you become infected with it and as we get the explanation later in the movie from the occult expert um bagul is a monster who they they say in, in this universe and this story is mm-hmm. given power um by being viewed or by being, by being spoken of through the picture mm-hmm. would through you say pictures. that's kind of parallel to what 
uh, Ethan Hawke's character is trying to do as well. Exactly. Yeah. And so, but that's kind of what I love about this because it's such a clever way to sort of force, you know, to get around the problem of being like, well, this is a lot of convenient exposition, Mm -hmm. right? Like all of these tapes and what we didn't talk about is that in the box, like on the lid of the box are all these little crayon drawings, which are diagrams of the murders that are committed by the various, you know, children in the tapes and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get the Mr. Boogie from because in each one of the little crayon drawings, yeah, he's clearly labeled and he's over here, Mr. Mm -hmm. Boogie. This is all Um, the same font. Yeah. Which whenever Ethan Hawke is in the course of digitizing and you know reviewing all the tapes and stuff he's like all right well that's a little where's waldo right with his cheat sheet <laughs> yeah there's the boogie. He, he turns up the <laughs> contrast the on yeah. the uh, the quicktime video and, and is able to see uh, mr boogie and i and i love it because it, it sort of it gets around the problem of that being like too convenient by being like well that's what that monster wants you to do it wants you to get into this and to because the more you Re, you like view it. view it and the more you reproduce the film you're giving life and power to him and i was like mm-hmm. that's a it's a really cool like you know this idea of a memetic monster which if you don't know the origin of the word meme is yeah or this is what a meme truly is it's something that is um that is passed on through by being spoken or by, by being you know read and translated um and there are there are other examples of this like like i said the ring mm-hmm. is a great movie where it's like you know, the idea that you can you can become infected by this monster just by watching a videotape. Um, and then so you as an audience viewer go to see a movie about this and you're like, wait, this is getting a little bit too meta for me. It's, yeah, and, it's literally taking that, that one scene from The Ring to where it's the guy in the apartment and he's watching the video and she crawls out of the TV. Yeah. Like that is this movie. Yeah. Just that one scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly. And we see the reverse of that at the at the very exactly at the very end. Yeah, yeah she, she jumps into the TV, back into the yeah into the picture after doing yeah. the creepy head tilt. There are some really cool. Do you ever read like? Um, I don't know if you've ever read. Do you ever get into like the SCP uh, stuff on? There's a like this uh, secure contain uh, protect website i don't it's this like fictional it's kind of like creepypasta stuff mm-hmm. um where it's this fictional you know um uh it's like the uh well, what is it called um you know any of those various like fiction fictional uh secret organizations that go around controlling various paranormal stuff and try to suppress it or to control it or whatever yeah yeah like there's uh, a in black mm-hmm, kind of there's like a user submitted version of that called scp and it's like a wiki kind of thing and is it's that like the one where they keep all the people like in the basement or something like here's here's uh subject, subject you know so, so so yeah, yeah. and that it, it, there's so many creative people that contribute to that thing online and stuff and uh they have a lot of really really cool examples like that um another big one is like you know like slender man right like which is another which are very now unfortunately a very real life example where shouts out wisconsin yeah (laughs) like 20 miles from where i grew up yeah um but this idea that there's this monster who you know just by you thinking of it Mm -hmm. is then you know you it becomes it infects you and becomes a part of you Mm -hmm. um which i think is yeah it's a very cool framing device for a monster or a demon unfortunately in our culture the way it is now that meme yeah like yeah, it's truly happening arguably yeah, it's, it's it real happened. yeah like it and somebody got stabbed 13 times because of it yeah, yeah. Uh, which is spooky yeah and spooky is a, a nice sp- word spooky for it, is a better that, uh, word than i had in mind that mm-hmm. hbo doc beware the slender man pretty good yeah good stuff i think it's hbo mm-hmm. um but like i said and it, that that serves this plot very well because it kind of gets us over the uh the problems of, of forced exposition and stuff um and then ultimately i love like yeah so this movie ends with everybody fucking dying 
beautiful that's, <laughs> that's, that's a great yeah. horror movie um which is yeah I, I i don't know that's it is kind of like it is very satisfying because it, it i think mm-hmm. you know of the many horror tropes that you, that that exist uh it, you know some of them in this movie like the idea of you know the occult expert and like oh we we overly explained you know the monster or the demon which happens in this movie but it's kind of like that that sort of fits it, it serves like the, the purposes of this monster in a, mm-hmm. in a really cool way um this movie subverts the idea that like, all right, well, we figured it out. Now we know how to conquer it. Let's, you know, then it's just sort of like a race to the end, which becomes mm-hmm. an action movie. If this mm-hmm. came out now, you know, arguably it'd be like a crazy fight scene and then it would end if this were made by, you know, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the 2022 Blumhouse or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah the, the local professor would like be scouring through a book and be like, here's the spell. Yeah. To he just starts throwing pages at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but nope. Yeah. At the very end of the movie, uh, they, so they, Ethan Hawke decides he's like he he decides he's in too deep after he has that experience in the hallway where the slow motion ghost children are like following him around and stuff. Yeah. Um, and he gets freaked out, passes out on the couch with his baseball bat, um, like like you do. Um, as one does. Yeah, yeah. As one does. Uh, but then finally, like he he cracks and decides to uh, pick up the whole family and like move uh, back to their old house because I guess they were still you know they're they're technically paying like two mortgages right was now. Was that their old house that they moved back? Yeah, to? Yeah. Okay. Because so. I was like, how it's the hell did he move into the McAllister's house? house yeah. From Home Alone to like, all these fucking rooms. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, we're paying two mortgages. I thought he moved into There's a like new two Mercedes house. in the driveway. Yeah. I was yeah. like, how the hell? But okay, so it's their yeah, old yeah, house. Earlier they say. Um, we'll we be able to afford more nice meals like once the old house sells or something yeah. like that. Okay. Because, yeah, I was like, okay, so three mortgages now. Jesus Christ. And also <laughs> on that scene on that scene with the baseball bat, uh, it's the only one that has the curtain drawn over the tree. True. Okay, yeah. I didn't catch that yeah. in like, my rewatch mm-hmm. of it. Huh. That's a good point. Yeah, they, they basically, like, they get back to that ho- their old house, uh, but then, like, deputy so-and-so calls and uh he he's put together the dots that each one of the previous families had actually moved from the house of the previous murder victims um so he says it's a trail um and you've just you know connected the dots have fucked yourself yeah essentially it's like you fucked it up you you Um, did the thing so um they get back to the house uh where they were living originally and uh at this point uh Ellison is kind of like connected the dots and he realizes that um, the little kids. Okay. Well, I guess actually first he, I, we forgot to mention that he had burned like the super eight tapes and everything at the, mm-hmm. at the, at the previous house before they like got the fuck out of there. Um, he like tossed everything yeah, into valiant a valiant move. Yeah. Trying to end whatever's yeah. going on. And I and love, like, we need he, a very logical move by him is like we need to get out yeah like right now yeah yeah we're, we're leaving tonight pack the things Which never get the happens. kids we're it's le- what you always exactly. want to happen in a haunted yeah. movie you're like just leave yeah yeah and his wife's uh, like all right yeah it's, yeah, it's like finally this no is what question. i've been asking yeah. for it's like other than like what are you doing mm-hmm. like i'm we have to leave isn't all right that, okay. i trust yeah. you yeah exactly yeah. isn't that a brilliant fake out too because like even like like the entire plot is moving them you're it, he, he's doing all the right things he's checking all the right boxes they even as they're driving as they're speeding out of town they get pulled over by the sheriff yeah. and uh, the sheriff pulls him over and he's trying he's like you know where are you headed in such a rush and he says i was just trying to take your advice and get the fuck out of town <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's well, like, no ticket for you then. You can mm-hmm. just try to keep it under 60 until yeah. you leave the county line. <laughs> until you yeah. the county line. Perfect. Um, and he's like, but don't write anything mean about my cops. or like, Yeah. I don't want you to think 
people to think we're mean here. That was kind of cute, right? Yeah. Where he was uh, he was trying to he asked if uh, he had been bullied out of town or if he mm-hmm. was being bullied out of town. Yeah. Uh, you know, had it, he's, I don't want to hear anything in your book about, uh, you know, angry mobsters coming and, and kicking you out of town or whatever. And he says, yeah. it's not going like, to be, I a don't book. have a fucking book. And yeah. Like, oh, you know, Mr. Boogie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mr. Boogie is kind of mean to me. <laughs> Mr. Boogie. Mr. Boogie. Um, <laughs> but, uh, is Mr. Boogie. Once they finally make it back to the house. Yeah. They, he's been, he's been rejecting the calls from the detective this entire time or the uh, deputy this entire time. Um, really? Yeah. It's kind of rude. He, uh, he's been, he's been ghosting mm-hmm. deputy so-and-so. Yeah. But he's trying to just completely cut ties. Yes. You know, That's he fair. burned, he burned the so and is like trying to call like, you all day. He's got to know something. Exactly. Yeah. True. And he does. But he's also like a fanboy. Yeah. He so is. maybe True. he yeah. heard that he left town and he's like, Oh no. I'm yeah. never going to get mentioned in this book. Oh, no. Yeah. Our table. But it's broken. It's broken. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but uh, upon moving back into the house, uh, where does he find, he finds the box again? Is it in his in own the attic? attic? Yeah. It's in the attic. He goes up to his own attic, and yep. the box is there, perfectly fine, untouched, yep. undisturbed. Uh, he starts to put the tapes back together, and he edits them, you know, expertly, uh, physically edits them back yeah. together. Well, there's some extra tape in there. Exactly. There's a little, little envelope yeah it says like extended endings yeah yeah and so he he cuts it all together and starts watching the videos with the extended endings and so we get the aftermath of all of the kills well no isn't it it shows the children yeah yeah is they were watching it and then his daughter was watching it well what happens is like he yeah he he goes out into that's I think that's before he leaves the the previous house. Okay. Like he wakes up in the middle of the night because that's what the what involves the whole jump scare. Like so that's when the slow motion like children scene comes in. He goes out to where he had set up the Super 8 projector previously, and he puts his hand waves it over the table where it was as if he's gonna like it was invisible and he's gonna touch it or something. Mm-hmm. So it's um, just confirming like mm-hmm. it's really gone. Yeah. Right? yeah. One thing that we haven't talked about I, I guess while we're talk- backtracking and talking about that scene is the sound design just throughout this movie. Um, the very so the music uh except for a couple of parts is, is just very very uh you know sort of noise oriented it's just yeah, you know thumping ominous, beats and ominous yeah. um there are a couple of moments where it cuts to a weird rock track it's uh, kind of like it reminded me of a lot of like newer radiohead uh-huh where it's just like yeah it was like kind of bumping a little bit yeah, yeah. i was like we're driving it. it's like where's tom york this. yeah give me that um in that scene the one right before they leave the house it, it gets into this uh the the sound of the super 8 projector running mm-hmm. is just is just going in the background as he's going around the house with the baseball bat um and then that's that is where yeah every time he turns a corner in the background you see the 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 ghost demon kid like moving in slow motion um mm-hmm. that is yeah i think you know as far as the the minimal number of effects that were in this movie that was a good one that like you said I think you know shows them being in the ghost realm really well, and shows a clear you know, story, you know, physical difference between the, the the two worlds that they're in, I guess, or whatever. And uh, that's when he goes up to the up into the attic, and the super eight projector is set up up there, and he can see all of the ghost children yes. at the same time. And that's when they turn around and you know hold their finger up to their lips, and we get the 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 image of Bagul is on the screen, but then it like immediately slaps down jump into a scare, jump scare, yeah. and it's uh, that movie. Yeah, that'll catch you off guard if it's the first time seeing it. Uh, it, yeah, yeah it'll get you yeah uh and there's a good there's a good uh you know sound uh sound effect there that uh yeah that, someone's just on the fucking knob just mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah so following all those sequences and you know getting pulled over by the uh sheriff they're back at the old house and he starts editing together that footage with the extended cuts and this is where we get you know the reveal that 
all of the little kids were committing the murders. Um, we get them. They basically just walk into frame right after every gruesome murder has been committed, and they do the same thing, holding their finger up to their lips. Why? It's terrifying. Why? But it's why? So why? Scary. Like why? Hey, don't say anything. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we get it. Yeah, I guess. I think it would have been scarier to just like them staring at the camera, right, and doing like the head tilt, the classic. Not even the head tilt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, there has to be the tropes. They have to have the tropes, mm-hmm. just True. to remind you, like this is a horror movie. This is yeah. not like a. It's it's and, not. I mean, and this is I th- we've touched on it several episodes so far. Mm-hmm. Is why the fuck are little children doing things? It's way scarier. Innocence. And little it, kids are yeah, scary. It's like, but it comes <laughs> up. It comes up a lot, um, and it's always way scarier. And little kids say some weird shit, man. Yeah, man. Like just well, in general, like his daughter does. Yeah. After she, you know, gets revealed later that she was speaking to the ghost child, yeah. Stephanie. Um, and then Stephanie even said shush to uh, to, to yeah. the daughter. Like, mm-hmm. she's not going to say shit. Kind of rude. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Maybe it's like, like she, she just ruined my painting. Beautiful painting. Yeah. He yeah. Told her, Shut up. Yeah. But <laughs> um, this idea of like kids, like the idea that they're 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 closer to just our primal state or something. They're mm-hmm. just you know they're closer to to just us as just you know natural beings and before we're before we learn how to be humans or whatever mm-hmm. and grown ups. Um, and they're just slightly just, more easily influence yeah which i think that reveals like a kind of the scary part of of the human psyche as well yeah it's like how it's scary how quickly that switch can flip given the right circumstances yeah that and it's also just like tiny scary things this is what we this is what we were talking about before yeah. with the leprechaun episode is yeah scary why tiny is monsters sc- are yeah, why so is it scarier scary? that he's tiny it's and why so are they so scary. jolly yeah yeah, <laughs> so yeah exactly <laughs> Are you so happy and small? Yeah, that's um, the scariest thing is either a very calm killer mm-hmm, or a very mm-hmm. happy killer. Mm-hmm. Like the rage killers, you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. But like someone who's just calm, that is frightening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like just no emotion shown. Just stabbing, staring at you with a blank face. Like, mm-hmm. good Lord. Slicing. Yeah. Well, that's, I guess that's, throats. I guess that's where the whole like theory of like a uh, killer behind a mask comes from. Mm, yeah. There Michael is, Myers no, there is and, no emotion mm-hmm. behind it. Yeah. Mm. It's just a shape. Yeah. yeah, the classic shape from Halloween. Yeah, yeah. A reverse uh, William Shatner mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, so after right after that sequence at the end, you know, he we we get the reveal of the little kids have been murdering everybody. Uh, Ethan Hawke starts to realize he's had maybe a little bit too much whiskey, but he looks in his cup and there's some like green glowing. I think goo it's antifreeze. Is it antifreeze? I, think I don't it's know. Antifreeze. Well, I, I thought it was well, some. He, he calls the. He calls the professor again. Right? Yeah. Well, and he was like, that's where it kind of gets revealed. The like, he lives through the images and he yeah. showed like yes. the snake, the dog, the scorpion. Right. Mm-hmm. And he, he explains the, the mimetic, yeah, the nature of a ghoul as being a, a monster who takes power from images and from being represented yeah. in images and stuff. And consumes the children mm-hmm. with, during each, or a child during each crime. Yeah. Um, and then finally, Ethan Hawke, he, he passes out from being drugged by the green juice or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, his, yeah, but not before his daughter shows up the and says. Ectoplasm in his cup. Yeah. yeah I, I, I was like, I was trying to put it together. I was like, was it antifreeze? And he just like got sick and passed out. Well, they out. say mm-hmm. earlier that it was uh, in the toxicology reports, it was they, that they had been drugged, but it, they couldn't tell by what. Uh-huh. So it's 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 just demon Demon Juice. roofies or something. Okay. Yeah. Demon roof and all. Yeah. Yeah. Just some ectoplasm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, ectoplasm. Just... Yeah, classical old ectoplasm. It brings yeah, a really sinister, mm. oh, a real sinister meaning behind behind oh Ghost my Dad. God. Uh, yeah. He <laughs> Ghost Dad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. With that... Bill Cosby roofing <laughs> drinks. And... 
but that's when his little daughter. Yeah, he's he is. He is, he is kind of Mr. Bucky. <laughs> you don't want to know what's in the pudding pops. Oh God. Uh, his daughter Ashley says, "I like I like what you did with the films. I like that they're longer. Uh, when, that you made them longer." Which was like, is that just like a meta thing for the director? Since we're talking about like the parallel. Oh yeah. <laughs> the director. She said cuts. she wants the director's cut. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's mm-hmm. what she was. That's what she was looking for the entire time. Um, and so yeah, that Ethan Hawke wakes up on the floor of his house, uh, and yeah, his his wife and him are all duct tape up. The and least everything, creative and, of all the kills. Yeah, she just chops him the fuck yeah, up. Just she has chip, an axe. Chip, yeah. Although the most gruesome The first maybe. few were yeah. creative, were at least. Very creative. Yeah. yeah. You the, sleep, they... the sleepover, like, that was pretty lame, too. Like, they got lamer as it went on. Yeah. <laughs> They're uh, sitting, Bagul is sitting at the conference table in the board meetings. Ashley, I really like what you're bringing to the table here. <laughs> but here's the thing. We're looking for innovation. We're looking for, <laughs> sorry. Ashley, we're looking for innovation. We're looking for creativity here. On the conference call. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. You see, you, you see what Fernando did with the uh, lawnmower over there. That was a uh, that's what we call that's what we call thinking outside of the box. <laughs> I need you to uh, to get in the spirit of this thing and really contribute to the team. Cover them in plaster. I don't. Yeah, I something. I don't know. Just make them suffocate with plaster. I guess you or? work with what you got. And the, the, they had just moved into the new the old house again, so like she was short on supplies. Okay, but so there was they, an axe, they, an axe yeah. not a bat. True. That would have been. They they could have brought the bat back. Though. Yeah, if she just like went to town like freaking like Barry Bond style on their mm-hmm. heads and was just like knocking them out of the park. And, yeah, and like the but that wouldn't be as calm. No, yeah, you know, though the accent like that wouldn't have yeah. been very calm. It did give us like the whole like final like her little diagram was cool too. How they were all like in parts. They were everything. in three parts. Yeah, yeah. you she, know how much like okay. She would have been so, chopping away like this. Yeah, it would have taken a while. That, this that would have been also, a long director's cut. As yeah. far as the uh, <laughs> this deleted scene, it got cut for a reason. Yeah, right? not not to pull up the thread yeah. of, the, of the physical feats that each one of these little kids is pulling off. But yeah, like even even Sorry, if you yeah, are drugging all of the adults and stuff, which is kind of yeah. how they get around the idea that you know the the killer doesn't have to overpower its his victims or whatever. Um, it's still yeah the idea of of tying like. In the tree killing scene, like that was very kid, intricate. The kid would have had to get all the bodies outside still, mm-hmm. and then tie everybody up. Tie and a then, noose. Yeah, tie a noose for one thing. You got to learn yeah. how to make knots, mm-hmm. and get everybody up, and then get the rope over the first branch. Yeah. tie it on yeah. the second branch. No, just the fifteen the feet, basic. and then sh- cut the saw through that tree branch. Would have, mm-hmm. That would have taken Take half an hour of the strength of an eight year old. That was yeah, the least. first thing yeah. I thought of with that tiny saw. Yeah. That's for branches. That's not for like no. giant like. Yeah, that's for like limbs. pruning a tree. Exactly. Yeah. It would have taken a while. And it was a very clean cut. So good yeah. job, who, Stephanie. Yeah. Good job, Stephanie. Yeah. Good job, Stephanie. Keeping it yeah. You like paid I said, attention. Uh, here's to you. Stephanie, so Stephanie, right. Stephanie, you are the uh, employee of the month. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah. Ashley, you're getting transferred to the Scranton. Shit. She does have that great, yeah, the final sequence, though. Uh, we're going through, like, the hallway with all the blood on it and everything. That was pretty, pretty cool, gnarly. Because she was it. painting the hallways and they, not just her Okay, room. yeah, so uh, yeah. bring it all the way back around, yeah. Ashley. Yeah. Points, points for, yeah, for yeah. just, for, for it, sheer artistic flair. That tape shows up in the box at mm-hmm. the very end, and yeah. it says, like, painting day or something. There like we go. Like. There yeah, we go. Yeah, because she, one, got to stay up past her bedtime, mm-hmm. got to paint the house. Everyone pretty wins. Cool. Yeah. And she got to paint, yeah, outside of her bedroom, which was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, everybody wins. I like. I did like. Did you enjoy like the the walking into the screen scene at the very end? 
whenever uh it was pretty cool yeah it, like because yeah. it made it made it like okay so that's how the kids get there. yeah and then mm. i guess the everything is just the because yes you know as far as the visual effects go again it is all just quick cuts it's kind of you know the easiest effect to do is just make somebody disappear yeah you know very fast on mm. a but also like you know super eight's not gonna stick around forever yeah well it's magical super eight though so yeah. i mean whatever well, it is because is... i was i was thinking the whole like okay so he lives through images so like Bagul in the Wild West. Yeah. Like, you know how long that would take? <laughs> <laughs> to have a, a yeah. wanted poster stay that just still. shows up at yeah. like a random, yeah. Just stay still. <laughs> <laughs> no, I imagine in that, in that yeah. situation, you have a, you would have the sketch artist, like the one from Malignant, where they just show up and they do a, a, a rendering of, uh, of, yeah. of whomever. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, But overall, yeah, like I think this is this is one of my favorite you know contemporary horror movies uh again i'm sorry that we've been hitting so many contemporary ones we're going to be doing more throwbacks here in the next couple of weeks and everything but um this is a great one of the last like you know decade uh and this director is you know he's coming in hot with another new horror yeah. movie mm-hmm. uh, i didn't know he had i didn't know he had done uh exorcism of emily rose yeah like because that was one of my first like favorite mm-hmm. new horror movies yeah, of of exorcism movies, uh, that one is is up there for me. Another one that um, uh, I really enjoy that I think pairs well with the taking of Deborah Logan uh, is uh, the last exorcism. Um, we didn't watch it for this series, but we're gonna circle back to this this topic here in a later series. But we're gonna try to kind of like vary things up. Um, the last exorcism is another really good found footage movie. Um, yes. Okay. Right. I have seen that. Yeah. So on that topic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll save that conversation to, for when we get to it. Um, yeah. Overall. Uh, yeah. Do you think like, did you enjoy watching this? This, this I, movie? I this thoroughly, yeah. <clears throat> pardon me. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of the things that we watched so far and spoke about on here. Like I probably got spooked the most arguably during portions of this movie yeah i think this is probably the scarier of the ones that we've seen so far because some of the ones that have been leading up to this were like that we picked you know mostly for like yeah they're either their intrinsic value or their shock value mm-hmm. or, or they're just goofiness or whatever mm-hmm. um and we had you know the throwaway like leprechaun just because it was a holiday um <laughs> No, it's a, it's a yeah, it's a great movie. I think I think Scott Derrickson is a great director. I think there's a lot of interesting, complex issues that are wrapped up in the in uh, in this movie and uh, in his career. That and there really wasn't any point with any of the characters where I was concerned with the quality of their acting either. Yeah, like and they all held up throughout the entire film. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor is Trevor. kind of a little dick, he isn't sucks. he? Sucks. Yeah. With his, his night terrors. I mean, yeah. it's okay to not have I mean, night terrors. You can have night terrors, <laughs> yeah. sure. It's not his fault that he had yeah. That terrors. kid only has a few other movie credits. Um, but it has put out four albums with his band. Oh, shit. Uh, the Lemon Twigs, which I'm going to have to go listen to. Damn. Um, pretty prolific uh, musician as well. So I'm, I want to check that wow, out. Lemon. Found that out through my through my research. Lemon Twigs. If you're coming to Dallas, hey, we're down. Let's go see you. Let's yeah. go hang out. Let's, Let's go get a beer. We'll Sinister we'll Point 2. We'll yeah, show exactly. at... <laughs> you can play at Three Links. Sinister yeah. 3. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, play with my band. Yeah, he's got a record. Kind of, what yeah. kind of music you make. I haven't listened to it yet, but... It better be Sinister. He's got a record coming out this year. Hell yeah. Awesome. Props Good to him. Yeah. Awesome. The fourth. Fourth record. Uh, well, Damn. Cameron, have you seen any cool movies lately or any TV shows that you hated or loved? I really like uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, this new season's this, out, isn't it? I watched the whole... When did the new season come out? Like, last week. 
Oh shit! Damn. Yeah, last Friday. That's one that I have been sleeping on. It is. You haven't seen any of it. I haven't seen any of it, dude. Okay, Alamo's done a showing of I think the first two seasons leading up to the release. It's like where they just blasted through all of it, and you just paid one ticket price. It's my favorite. Like, uh, I think it's the coolest thing Netflix has done, is just give directors and animation teams free reign, do whatever, but make it kind of geared towards. Like, there's there's one. It's it's just an anthology of a bunch mm-hmm. of shit, and uh, excuse me. There's only one story that's been running through the whole, uh, all three seasons is just one story, and they're like ten minutes long. Mm-hmm. And it's about these three robots that have just seen the fall of humanity. But um, so like darker it? Wally. It's it's pretty much like a more realistic Wally. Yeah. Like okay, the humans did get fat and die, but like. There's also the millionaires that try to save themselves. There's mm-hmm. the 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 preppers that try to save themselves but end up killing themselves. And then there's casts who just grew opposable thumbs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot that part. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And, no, I really uh, enjoyed the first two seasons as well. I'm going to uh, have to this, check that out. This third season might have one of my favorite uh, episodes mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Uh, it's called uh, Bad Traveling. And hmm. it's by um, I, I'm blanking on his name. The guy that did Seven, David Fincher. David Fincher, yeah. directed it, and it's probably one of my favorite animations because it reminds me a lot of uh, the game Dishonored. Okay, if you ever mm-hmm. played that, Mm-mm. it's like that but realistic, like the same kind of character faces and everything, but like the moral, I guess ambiguity in it, and like what you would actually do in that situation that this one character is put in, is awesome. Like the, it, there's payoff. There's doubt and uh there's a lot of horror to it Hell yeah and uh there's some really trippy ones like in the heart of the machine which is like just this great sci-fi uh planetary episode uh, you, you have to watch it man mm-hmm. like that's all i could recommend for now until i see everything everywhere all at once yeah i've that's been a strong recommend from us like yeah, for sure i haven't seen it yet uh, either, but it's an, yeah. and i plan to Amazing movie. Yeah, we got to get the group together to go see that uh, here soon. Um, I love all the episodic and like anthology shit that studios have been doing recently, um, especially with all these streaming platforms. I've seen, I feel like it's come about more. The idea that the, like where the each success from the success of Black Mirror, I think, kind of kicked this off. This, yeah, where this, they're this giving very Black Mirror. And yeah, I think just yeah. like also just, you know, logistically, it's a, uh, so somebody brought mm-hmm. up this, this question, like, I, like Marvel's What If, right? That was and cool. Then, yeah. yeah. But that that all boys, had like a story. The boys episodic mm-hmm. uh, thing. And the, the other thing about it is, so I think, you know, what you're talking about too is like the idea of these, uh, these shows that have a lot of different contributors. Uh, so each episode, right, being written or, and or directed by a different group. Mm-hmm. Um, what's great about this, you know, I think logistically that works out really well because it's somebody asked the question the other day um, to this. I can't remember what interview or article I read this from about, um, you know, why, why do TV shows have multiple directors within a single season and how do you keep, you know, the story consistent. Right. And what people, you know, what what's interesting about the differences between feature films versus television versus you know long form television um, or you know, stage work and stuff? Um, all these different mediums are acting and entertainment and storytelling. 
but they are very much uh, they have they they emphasize a different aspect of of that process where some people will say that you know um, stage work you know live in person theater is very much an actor's medium because uh, as an actor you know you are in charge of of providing that performance for an audience every single night and every single time you mm. you put on that show um, features are arguably much more of a, a director's medium um, because a director is ultimately responsible for the final vision that's being conveyed and for assembling all the various uh, contr- you know actors and factors and and cast and all the various you know parts the moving parts that are that the incredibly difficult process of making of a film and then what's interesting about television and in this in this in this way television is very much a writers or a showrunners medium where you have multiple directors on a project multiple contributors to these kinds of things where um, you know a director may direct a couple of episodes of a certain season of a show and then they have to go off they have leading up to the filming of that they have to you know um, assemble their team produce it and then actually film it and then after that they're going off and editing and putting together those episodes meanwhile another director comes in and is already working on filming the next couple of episodes mm-hmm. and so in this way for things like serialized or anthology series it's it's very uh, it just makes a lot more sense and it's a lot it lends itself to being you know a medium that allows a lot more contributors to come in and, and you know and contribute and uh, make the show make the various installments in it mm-hmm. um and then we get all these what's great for the audience is we get all this this varied Dif- you know rainbow of yeah and we get a lot of great contrast and variation <laughs> and flavor you know within a single project or whatever um yeah. and that and stuff is always I mean, super stimulating that is also kind of yeah. spurred on by the whole idea of like content farms at this point that yeah. like mm-hmm. they can push out so much more content yeah by doing it that way um which is what we crave at this point right like daddy yeah. give me some content i just want to feel something mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know it's it's tough yeah mm-hmm. daddy give me some yeah uh <laughs> I mean, watch watch Love, Death, and Robots. Like, Absolutely, I, I felt hard like recommend of Love, Death, the, and Robots. Yeah, for yeah there, there's some. Well. Uh, yeah. There's some to where like I teared up on. I was like, this mm-hmm. is beautiful, and then there's some to where I was like, fuck, this is awesome. I'm, yeah, and somewhere I'm like, I'm a little sad. Yeah, a little yeah, scared. Yeah, because like it. There's some to where it's like it's too real. It's like, a little bit, this, a little bit too real. This could, this is happening. Yeah, kind of thing. Um, Tyler, any other shows or movies or anything that you hated or loved recently? Um. Not necessarily that I hated or loved. I'm in the process of working through The Shrink Next Door hmm. on Apple TV with Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell. Oh, shit. Um, it's kind of comedy drama um, set in the probably like mid to early 80s. Um, Paul Rudd plays a, a psychiatrist or psychologist uh, treating Will Ferrell, who has inherited his father's um, fabric business in New York. And he was just a very like weak man that, who gets shoved around by his employees and family. And uh, Paul Rudd kind of takes advantage of the situation as his um, psychologist. I'm only like three or four episodes in, but it's been fun. It's a yeah. fun watch. It's not anything like it's not going to go down in history, but yeah. I've enjoyed it so far. Did you watch Severance? I haven't, but I, I love it, awesome. Scott. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'm also looking forward to. Um, earlier today, I was reading up on The Righteous, hmm. um, which comes out, I believe the release is like two weeks from now, like mid-June, um, directed by Mark O'Brien, who played Alex in Ready or Not. Oh, shit. Um, this is a black and white film. I'll just read the cut right now because I have it 
pulled up, but a burdened man feels the wrath of a vengeful God after he and his wife are visited by a mysterious stranger. Um, honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably going to be right up your alley. Hell yeah. Um, looking forward to that. Hope to see it. I don't know where it's going to be available. Um, but I would keep an eye out for that. I think June 10th, it says here is, uh, when, when that's going to come out. What's the streaming on? Uh, not, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure if this is a theatrical release oh, okay, or, okay. um, it's won a few Canadian screen awards, some grim fest awards, you know, smaller like horror festivals, some bloodies, um, you know, maybe in the next episode I'll have found out a little more and I can tell you where to watch it. Hell yeah. But right now I have no idea. <laughs> I was just reading up on it and I'm like, this sounds tight. Um, so hopefully it will be. I'm into it. We'll report back. Sounds cool. I'm into, uh, I, I have a throwback from, uh, I think I, I, so I had somebody already asked me about this uh, from the previous episode about uh, Darkman. It's a, <laughs> a <laughs> yes. uh, sort of a, a, a unsung amazing installment in the career of Liam Neeson. Uh, Darkman is the super, the, uh, the Sam Raimi installment in the world of universal monsters. It's a, uh, it's a, a, a dark superhero movie that came out in the early 1990s that Liam Neeson stars in. And it is absolutely bonkers. Uh, if you don't go into it expecting a modern superhero movie, but it is, it is fantastic. And if you want to see Liam Neeson be fucking crazy, uh, in a movie directed by Sam Raimi, uh, it's, <laughs> I think I first saw that on like TNT at yeah. like 11 p.m. on a oh, Friday yeah. night when That's I was That's exactly. Little. It's the perfect TNT. You saw movie it in the wild. Yeah. 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 yeah, I've been doing. I've still been on like the yeah the the Sam Raimi binge lately, going oh, through his God. entire filmography. And uh, but that is one that like, I just yeah uh, of all of that those 90s movies that he made before Spider the mm-hmm. Spider Man movies like that is the one, you know that is that just sticks out to me that I think you know if you're looking for a weird throwback it's it's a good one yeah I think it's 1990 I think it's 1992. Yeah. Um, but I'm not not 100% sure. Uh, go watch Darkman. <laughs> watch Darkman, then watch Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. 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 Definitely watch Drag Me to Hell, and uh, it might pay off here soon. Um, yeah. So, uh, Cameron, hey, man, thanks for thanks for coming in. I know this is your first time hanging out with us. Thanks for having me. So, man. yeah, guys, Cameron, fun. like I said before, Cameron is an amazing artist and an amazing uh, musician as well. Uh, what, do you want to plug your uh, the fucking Revan? Uh, yeah, I'm in a band called Revan. Um we're on Spotify. We're on every streaming platform. Uh, we have a show actually this Saturday um, at Andy's in Denton. And uh, yeah. You have an Instagram, right? And we also have an Instagram, uh, Revan Band Texas. Nice. What's your uh, And what's your personal Instagram handle? Camo himself. Camo himself. Yeah. If you want to see some fucking sick ass artwork. Uh, yeah, Cameron, Cameron has been a contributor to many of, of, of local business, you know, doing graphic design for, um, anything from breweries to other bands, album artwork. Uh, and if you're, if you're into horror and you're into the aesthetic of the horror genre, uh, it's, yeah, it'll be right up your, right up your alley. I just, uh, uh, posted up some posters I made for the Northman. Hell yeah. Just came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Would you recommend the Northman? I would absolutely recommend the Northman. <laughs> Watch it. Um, it is. So it's, it's just an Ethan Hawk. I know. It's Ethan Hawk. We, yeah. we saved ourselves from not having yeah. to suffer the the embarrassment of not having seen the Northman yet, and uh, like in our conversation earlier. But yeah, it's it's watch it. It's, I can't. I need to go check that out now. It's a telling of the original Hamlet. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It looks beautiful. Uh, I'm at Trav the guy on Instagram. Uh, at Ty Mance T Y M A N T Z. 
we do have a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash scary Sunday scaries. Uh, episodes get posted there within like a couple of hours of me recording them. Um, everything else gets posted to Spotify, Apple, uh, everywhere else you listen to podcasts within on Monday releases. Um, but if you want them first, they go up on Patreon and you only have to subscribe at the lowest level to hear everything that we're doing. Um, follow us on Instagram at scary Sunday scaries. Uh, yeah. And hang out with us. Keep listening. Uh, so we watched uh, Sinister this week. Do you know what our movie is next week? Have I told you yet? Uh, I have, I've got it in the doc. But yeah, I it's in the doc. Hey, guys. So uh, as you might expect in planning and scheduling for this first season, we had uh, some conflicts and some rearranging of uh, the watch list. So the episode that will directly follow this episode, Sinister, is going to be The Evil Dead, 1981, Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell. Uh, It's awesome. Can't wait for you to listen to that episode right after this one. So enjoy. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be so great uh so we're gonna be watching that next so uh you, if you want to watch it in advance and then uh come listen to us talk about it absolutely do that uh Man. but otherwise yeah keep listening keep hanging out with us uh go it's an send, exciting yeah. time for me yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, happy. <laughs> I'm so happy for you <laughs> i can feel the love awesome all right well be safe out there have a good week guys uh We'll and see. uh we'll yeah don't go opening random boxes in your attic and putting on super eight films and shit make sure you keep mm-hmm. that keep especially that, keep that locked they're up wiggling tight. around yeah, yeah if it's 35 yeah. millimeter go ahead 35 yeah i yeah. would do that super eight okay. hard no. no hard no hard pass no all right bye sunday scaries